Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the it's time to play the music. It's time to that. light we the lights. It. It. It's we time it. for the second half of the Muppet Show tonight. Hi, everyone. I'm Van Helsink, and with me, my co-host for the evening, the godfather of the paranormal, the ghost in and the ghost hunting, Mr. Wales, 1974, hey. Stephen I'm Parsons. Okay, good evening again. Hello. What a, what a surprise. What? What? Fancy meeting you here again. Oh, yeah. Do you know, it's, do you know it's, it's Thursday, the 6th of August. It is? It is here. Did we just roll over? Oh, we did roll over. Oh, that's, that's we cool. Just roll, rolled in, we just rolled into tomorrow, rolled into the future. Right. So, did you read? Oh, not, thanks for the tropical storm, by the way. You're welcome. That's ruined our weekend. That just moved right in really quickly. Yeah, that was a fast-moving storm, too. Yeah, well, we're keeping our fingers crossed that um, the forecast is to send it north of us. Mm-hmm. Give Stephen Scott a good paste in, but we'll be all right. Yeah, that's fine. He can handle it. Yeah. Put on Manly, Scott. Yep, yep. Freedom! Anyway, um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, for those who missed it on the international one, you can go listen on iTunes and also on Tojinet. Uh, we talked about battles, actually, from the first, uh, from the Second World War. And we also talked a little bit about Poltergeist and Harry Price and a lot of other interesting things. Pol- yeah, so uh, check it out. Uh, it's the Ghost Chronicles International. So you're on Next Generation now. So. Uh, we, we we're talking about Polk, the guys, and I meant to ask you about it. Now, do you remember on the international show we had a, a gentleman who uh, he was a parapsychologist, I believe, and he wrote the book on the I think it was the Gold Leaf Lady. Do you remember that? Oh, vaguely. Um, what was his name? <laughs> you, you're asking the wrong guy, my friend. Well, he's a parapsychologist. Yeah, like I can remember anything. So, but yeah, he 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 followed the case of Florida. What's that? Gold leaf lady. Wasn't that a James Bond film? (laughs) No, that was Golden Finger. (laughs) But yeah, the the woman would uh, produce gold on her skin. Uh, So, is that poltergeist? Would that be poltergeist? No, no. I mean, I, I, I. I say no, but then I'm thinking to myself, when I'm saying no, my my brain is saying, whoa, because we don't know. You've heard me caution that we don't know anything. We know we know jack shit about this subject in reality. Yeah, exactly. uh, we can tell we can tell you a little bit about what isn't a ghost mm-hmm. or what causes people to think that they're having a ghostly experience. Mm-hmm. But I can't. I can't definitively say that a woman who produces gold gold leaf from on her skin is the same or different than something that knocks on a table or lifts a table or or 
causes people to see apparitions in corners of rooms or or any of the other phenomena because we don't know. Now, well, there's a lot of psychology to actually say that there probably is a link, and the link being us as individuals, right. as people, um, simply hallucinating. I mean, simply hallucinating this stuff and making it up. Um, well, so, if they actually not, proved not, that it happens, not, right? Well, I, I, I don't think people necessarily even need to willfully um, hoax it because... They could so you're saying that we have powers of mind that that are well, maybe yet we not did, understood. Maybe we well, we seem to have. We can certainly do some stuff that we're that we're not supposed to be able to. I mean, how many times have you read recently in the last few years of a, you know somebody involved in an accident where the firefighter or the father, if it's a kid, does some extraordinary feat of super, you know sort of um, X-Man type superhero right. strength yeah. lifts an entire car up or, or or something else. You know, we have these abilities that we don't necessarily use. I mean, I can't lift a car up, but right. that's, you know, or at least I can't now and I've never tried and I don't believe I could. But in those extreme situations, people have lifted cars up off the ground to allow, you know, the child or or whatever um, to be rescued. You know, we, uh, we talked about this a little bit on the morning show, I think, a couple of weeks ago. And it's all about, the, you know, the power of, of our own thoughts. Uh, for instance... Uh, how I say that is, is you have a team, and uh, like a, a regular team, whether it's a football, team, or a football team, or or a hockey team, or, or whatever, and they they believe they're good, they believe they're the best, and you know people say, oh, they're cocky or whatever thing, but and yet that that whatever they have gets transposed onto the other team where, where they're saying, oh, these guys are good. And, and, you know, we have to play, you know, and they almost do it. Even if a guy, like you, you see a guy in, in a battle and, and he'll, he'll just get up and, and like walk across a battlefield without getting hit, you know, and some guy will be in a foxhole and get killed. Yet it's, it's something there that, that and I, it's hard to define what it is really. Is that something that we, produce with our own minds or is it something else um, there is a, there's, a, there's a lot of psychologists who are starting to look at positivity and positive thought um, mm. and, and its effect on well-being and um, or if you think yourself lucky you know, if you consider that you are a lucky person, and we all know that, that person, I'm one of them, oh I never win a raffle or I never win a lottery <laughs> and they never ever do and yet there are some people who seem to win it every week. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they consider themselves lucky people. And there are psychologists who are looking into the, that aspect of whether self-belief and self-opinion um, and uh, affects, affects us. And, and yes, um, the, the, it, it was noticed back in, um, certainly noticed in World War II by the air crew, uh, RAF air crew, when it was noticed, I think, in the trenches of the First World War too, that certain people, um, certain figures, were were jinx figures, and yep. that these people tended to be maudlin and, uh, oh, I'm re I, uh, I'm going to get killed today, and often they did, 
Yeah, you know, <laughs> it was almost like they willed themselves to be. That, that's what uh, I mean. It's it's a interesting. Know, if, thing. if we go, yeah, if we go back to that movie uh, portrayal, um, if, if you, I'm sure you've seen the movie Memphis Belle. Uh, yes, yes, the, yes. The Catherine Wyler one, not not her father. Um, so I'm talking about the motion picture. You've got the navigator, haven't you? Um, Phil, the navigator. Um, who, who is convinced and drinks himself into a near stupor the night before the before the mission, um, and is convinced that um, they're all going to die, they're all going to get killed on this last mission, and then you know they, they end up having the fight in the in the bomb aimer's position as he's trying to make the bomb aimer push the button. Mm-hmm. Uh, as they keep going round and round and round, oh, I can't see the target. We need to put another one in the pistol barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people like that. I'm sure we all know people like that. You know, almost every workplace, there is somebody like that. Somebody who walks into a room and the atmosphere just goes flat. Right. You know, and it's reversed, people... too. You have some people who win and they yes, just there exude confidence. I mean... Yes, there are. But they also bring... Now, you asked about whether they have effects. Well, we look at the effect on the workplace. If we just look at the workplace, because everybody can relate to that. You can, there are people uh, who come in and all of a sudden it's just like somebody's thrown cold water over everything. Nobody talks, nobody, and any atmosphere just drains away. Um, And there are people who come into a room and they just lift the whole room uh, by their presence without necessarily saying or doing very much at all. And it was, there was, um, have you seen the television series yet, What We Do in the Shadows? No. Well, it's about basically a family of vampires in, who live in um, New York. It was based on a movie, but now it's been turned into a television series, a comedy series. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are, you know, your conventional Eastern European vampires, um, yeah. all brought up to the modern day, except one of them is a psychic vampire. And he just sucks the life force out of people. <laughs> and he's actually one of the funniest characters because he goes into, he works in a big office complex. Um, doesn't really know what he does, but he, he does things to irritate people, like messes about with the water cooler or gives long, boring, loves long, boring uh, conference discussions about stuff and office meetings because the more people get down, the more he sucks, uh, it, it's better for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, look it up, watch it, um, and listeners too. Um, what we do in the shadows, not the movie, the television series based on the movie. All right, I'll see if I can find it. I think but, it's on uh, is it Netflix or Amazon. It's on one of them anyway. Yeah. Well worth a watch. Excellent. Very funny. Particularly the scene. In, in series two, there's a scene that, that um, the vampires have a seance to try and communicate with the ghosts and then discover that they're, because they're undead, they try to find out whether they can have ghosts because they were killed. <laughs> and then... <laughs> so it's, it's, it's quite... It, I mean, it, it's fantastically funny, but it's also quite a, an interesting question because, obviously, vampires are dead, but they're also undead. And one of them asks the question, well, you know, if we're dead, can we have a ghost? Well, of course we can't, because we're undead. So, well, how do we find out if we have a ghost? Well, we'll have a seance and see if we can communicate with our ghosts. There you go. There you go. And I'm not going to spoil it by telling you what happens, but it is fantastically funny. 
cool. The uh, all right. So we were talking a little bit of uh, of uh, whatever the synergy was, and and we talk about uh, you know the Philip experience a couple of weeks ago. Was that last week? Last week, I think. And they were they actually created a ghost with their thoughts. Well, they they didn't create it with their thoughts, did they? They created it on paper. Yeah, you know, they actually sat down and designed a person. Right, if they can design a ghost, but in order to have this ghost communicate with them, they had to believe that it could, or else it would never happen. Well, yeah, but I mean, to say that what they what they did was they created um, an individual who didn't exist mm-hmm. in history. They gave him a name, an occupation, and they spent six months. Um, basically writing the story of Philip, this, mm-hmm. this man who, uh, th- who had passed away. Right. Uh, he lived you know, in, in a former time. Then they tried to communicate with the spirit of Philip, this creation of those, to see what would happen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and they were, you know, <clears throat> they were successful. They communicated with the spirit of Philip and they, they were able to... Um, Explore that that, that that avenue, and it became quite um, a, 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 it was an interesting experiment in its own right. But they didn't create the ghost; they created the person. The ghost. Right. They communicated with the ghost of their created person, and it you know it's been argued by fans of uh, Derek Akora that when they started to tell the story of Creed Kaffer, when they created Creed Kaffer, the anagram of Derek Faker. Mm-hmm. In, in order to try and expose him on the show, and then uh, following that, Rick Edel's The Highwayman Ghost, which was an anagram of Derek Lies. And on mm-hmm. the two occasions, Derek then reported speaking to the spirits of that name. Then, by extension, you know, Derek's supporters uh, and those who are um, perhaps more charitably inclined were. were did argue that there was a similarity to the Philip experiment in that a person had been created, albeit somewhat hastily, with not very much information, not very much of a backstory, but then they didn't need that. All they needed was, you know, um, a name. Right. And Derek picked up psychically on the name. Now, was that was that similar to the Philip experiment? It, it's certainly been argued that it was. Or was that just simply... Showmanship, right? Now, I, I actually had an experience with this myself. In that, there's a there's a road not far from us, in a couple of towns over, called Dudley Road, and it has a whole thing of urban legends with it. It was saying asylum in the woods, house sinking into the thing. If you, you you drive down the middle of the road, the car will stare itself. The nun was killed by an escapee from the sale of asylum and a nun was pregnant by a priest, hung herself in a chair. Another nun was hung by, hit by a car and, and was crushed against that tree. And so there's a whole story. So one Sunday, this is on the, the original Ghost Chronicle show. Basically what we did is we just took a recorder, a little hand recorder, went someplace and, and did something. So one Sunday afternoon, I took Maureen on this little excursion and the interesting thing about it, for those who don't know Maureen's a trans medium, the interesting thing about it is I know all this legend is all absolutely false. And yet 
she picked up on all of the legend, all of the different legends. They just, she was able to pick up on. Now, what, where did that come from? Did it come from her reading yeah, my yeah. mind? Well, well don't, don't say the obvious of like, yeah, she studied on it because she didn't know where we were going or anything, but that's besides the point. Go ahead. Go ahead, Steve. Well, well there are two possibilities, aren't there? And the first one, you have to state the first one. And that is that she, she may not have been consciously aware of the story, but she still may have known about it. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay sure. you know, she, it may, she may have heard it eight, 20 years before and just forgotten all about it and then just sure enough. enough triggered a memory. Alternatively, and it's been said about a lot of psychics, particularly when they pick up on places, um, that in actual fact what they're really doing is mind reading. The, the other thing, there's a third one now, that I I kind of believe in, Steve, and, and that is that we create these images. For instance, it, it you know, if you believe that a place is haunted, it's haunted because, you know, people going here looking for these things created this all that energy of them searching for this. And there is somehow stored somewhere. And as a medium, she's able to read that energy. So. That's possible. Well, I can't say I can't say that that's not the case because it yeah. perfectly could be the case. Um, she could eat, but if you, if you sort of rank it in, like what's 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 more Probable. or less likely is yeah, is probably. mind reading more likely than you know? It's like yeah, I know. I, I, I remember. I remember. Totally. Yep. I remember a parapsychologist turning around and saying, "Well, of course, that's not you know that's not paranormal. That's just mind reading." Well, hang on a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not paranormal. That's just mind reading. Did you just really say that? <laughs> because I would have said that mind reading is fairly paranormal and extraordinary in its own right. But maybe that's just me. Um, <laughs> but I actually heard a parapsychologist live on television say that. Say that. And say it several times. You know, oh, this isn't this not paranormal. It's just they're just mind reading. Maybe he was thinking, saying cold reading. That's what he was thinking, or something. No, no, no. He was saying mind reading. Mind reading. It wasn't paranormal. Yeah, he, was very, okay. he was very. Yeah, he was. And of course, you, well. So it's it, it's how we you know it's, you talked about people go to haunted houses and even create a haunted house, and there are many ways. There've been there've been a number of experiments where right. people physically alter a building and make it appear haunted. By painting it different colours or putting electromagnetic fields yeah. or putting in for sound, uh, never with any great success because they have to work very, very hard to make it haunted. Uh, but uh, Anne and I uh, have, down the years, created haunted houses or parts of haunted buildings or turned them into haunted uh, parts of buildings. Mm-hmm. In a matter of mere moments or minutes. Um, and uh, there was an example. Um, Springs to mind. We were we were looking at a, it was an old convent building, so it was fairly creepy anyway. Oh, and that's me. It was it was also haunted, or at mm. least the chapel part of it was. In um, reality, or you made it up? No, no, no. In reality, the chapel okay. part was was, and that's supposedly haunted. Okay, that was the reason we were there. We were investigating the haunting claim, the, the claims of people's experiences at this former. Um, it, it was like it, it was like a big version of Hammond Castle, mm-hmm. if I can sort of put that into your mind, um, awesome. or 
very similar to, I suppose, the Winchester House might be another similarity to it, except it was Gothic stone and very big. But part of it, it had been given to it. It started as a as a manor house, a stately home, and then it become a given to a holy order of, of right. nuns. It's um, like these. And, yeah, but kind of big Gothic and in stone. Yeah, not as not as but a similar idea. Yeah, and parts of it, you know, the nuns like at these, he was still set to hang around in parts of it. Mm. Well, when Anne and I were there, uh, we we'd gone uh, with the team, um, and we we left them organising stuff, and we went just to have a look around. Um, and we started. There was one particular corridor up on the. Uh, upper floor, which had nothing at all to do with uh, anything that we were there for. Of, you know, it was a, it's a completely different wing of the building. It had no interest to us. Uh, it was just run down, a bit shabby, a bit damp. There was some mould growing on the wall. And we started to call it, um, as an experiment, the Haunted Corridor. <laughs> And we referred to it throughout the, the remainder of that first day, because we were there over multiple days. We referred to it as the Haunted Corridor. And uh, during the second day, we started to send people um, to explore the building. And we kept referring to this. You know, we'd, we'd thrown it in. We didn't overdo it. We just periodically, uh, you know, if Slide you're going upstairs... Yeah, if you're going upstairs, um, if you go along... Uh, along oh. if you take up the... the but don't, but don't turn left because that's, you know, go into the other one uh, and then you go past the haunted corridor and down the wet stairs yeah, and exactly. past the blue door. So we just threw it in as a sort of, yeah. By the second day, people were reporting, uh, oh, I don't like that corridor. It gives me a <laughs> and that got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse until we had to shout at them in the end and say, just look, just stop it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting it's getting silly and it's getting out of hand now. No, we did a Soma experience. You and I have done it. Yeah, over at Vizi at Spiracos one year, right? Yeah, yeah. Me, me, with the with the uh, the cellar in Lucille's cottage. Scared yeah. the bejesus out of people. I know, you're so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and that that is how quickly you can create uh, a haunted house. Mm-hmm. You don't have to... You don't have to have a haunted house to have a haunted house. And therein is part of the problem, uh, if you want to investigate this, is I can do it. You saw me do it at VZ as, as part of Spirit Quest. Uh, right. and exploring fear. Uh, but a family could equally do it to themselves. And I've investigated cases where one of the children has um, basically started the story and spooked the entire family out. Mm-hmm. And it came from, a, when, you, when we eventually unraveled it, the kid had been uh, watching a kid's cartoon that was a little bit sort of comedy horror, mm-hmm. and then had a, a nightmare, and turned it into a reality, had then uh-huh. convinced the rest of the family of the reality the rest of the family then became convinced of the haunting, and so the thing started to spiral out of control. Mm-hmm. And that no. starts with the story. And the demonstration at VZ where people were, were coming over and were going back, you know, 45 minutes later, scared, mm-hmm. is how fast it can happen. Exactly. And 
you know, we we learn to trust people. It wouldn't, you know, if you'd have went over, oh, if you're going to go over there, Steve is going to uh, tell you some spooky stories and try and frighten you. It wouldn't have worked. Uh-huh. It wouldn't, because we, you need to trust the person. Now, what parent doesn't trust their child? Right. I used to trust you until the ecto goggles. <laughs> there's a good example. When I put that slide in, I put it in fully expecting that um, 90% of the room would get, would get the joke because it wasn't, it wasn't pitched very high, you know, so Arthur Conan and, and the story. I expected uh, the, you so much that I think that was, was that the first year? Uh, second year. I don't know. It, whatever. I had so much respect second for you. It was like, oh, you know, and and uh, yeah, and then so, it came in. Everything, everything you said, I would just eat it right up, and it was like, oh, okay, well, that's think, awesome. From my, from my perspective, I'd made the story really implausible that this guy had gone on the second Tibetan expedition to hunt for, uh, and he's never and he. His his archive has been locked forevermore, and he's never spoken about it. And you know, it's like, yeah, they'll never fall for that. But I'll put it in anyway because I had that cool picture of Sir Arthur with the with the. Uh, so who fell for it? Me. Every, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still having to. Do you know? I've, I've used that slide on a couple of other occasions, and yeah. I'm surprised how many people don't don't trip up. Now, either it means that the audience has gone to sleep or they are far more gullible than I, I often well, give them. Well, they respect you quite a bit, which is my case. Is yeah, I respected you quite but, a bit. But, 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 but I my believed motto everything always, you said, you bastard. But my, motto, <laughs> but my motto has always been, and whenever I've been asked to sign anything, or it's always been question everything, even me. Yeah. Never accept anything. You, Critic, critically look at the evidence for yourself. Well, Just I'm critically the- looking at the time, and we have to take a break. So, unfortunately, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with uh, Steve Parson and myself right here on Tojanet and Pararex Radio, brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street in Methuen, Massachusetts, and the Gallant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North Andover, Massachusetts. We'll be right back after the following messages. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Para-X Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, 
I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. Hi, say Harry Price here. And uh, did you know that Isaac Newton speculated about the existence of a spectrum that is outside that of the visible, where astral beings and objects were detectable? Later, Goethe discovered that it was possible to make this astral spectrum visible with the help of prisms filled with special fluids. In 1893, the Society for Psychical Research commissioned several pairs of spectacles which were based upon Goethe's discovery. The Hungarian researcher, Aral Stein, used them with great success during his third Asian expedition in 1913. However, during the follow-up expedition in 1920, he made such terrifying discoveries, he abandoned his research and never revealed a single detail about his experience. The single surviving pair of Begertha glasses, now held in a private collection, have become the inspiration for the ecto-goggles used in the Ghostbusters. And there's a picture of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wearing a pair of ghost goggles in 1921. So classic. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's got it all. It it's you just got implausible. history, you got cool yeah, names, it, you got real places. Three, and... did that in three slides. <laughs> excellent, excellent. But what am I But favorite? it shows you. But it shows you um, as 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 we were demonstrating because that 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 spirit quest, the theme was um, in uh, was exploring fear, wasn't it? Creating situations where people would Not be fearful. Oh, wait, wait, which one? Are we talking What's about the goggles? No, 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 no. The the, the one where we were playing yeah, around in the creating cell. fear, right? Yep. And we looked at ways in which we, people, you know, the standard scenarios, people uh, were put into situations where they were Dull fearful. Rooms. Doll rooms. Dull. There was there Mirrors. was yeah, yeah there was uh, Bloody Mary. Oh, yeah. um, and people, some people were genuinely too frightened of the story of the myth to try the Bloody Mary game or to go into the, the room with, with dolls. Now, a lot of people weren't. A lot of people weren't bothered by it at all. But one of the, uh, one, instead of just showing them scary stuff, dolls and mirrors and strangely lit rooms, one of the things that we did was just play with the mind. And just tell them a story. We took them down into the cellar, and I told them a story about because they were doing some work on the on the cellar floor. So they, they excavated a small corner of the cellar floor and left the pit. Um, and I just told the story about how when they were excavating the pit, they found the bones <gasps> the children from the nuns and the nuns. Mm. Well, I, I, but at no point did I say the nuns killed the children. Or, uh, I, 
You That's don't. what I heard. That's what I heard. So what Steve's you heard was the nuns killed the children. <laughs> so what you heard was people filling in the blanks in the story, yeah. like you filled in the blanks in the ghost goggle story. It's not what you say; it's sometimes what you don't say. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Well, often, you know, one of the great if you if you give people all of the information then you're just giving them everything. You're not engaging with them, are you? Whereas I think if you leave bits out, let the brain create, because what you're trying to do is you're trying to create, um, or what I was trying to do and what I was trying to do with the ghost goggle story was get you to create the gaps and fill in the storyline and the missing elements. Because then, because you've created them, you, 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 you are more likely to believe them. Actually, you created them. <laughs> anyway. But there, there's a point, too, where people believe... Ghost Goggle story. There are nine lines. There are... There are yeah. There are uh, points where people believe what they believe, no matter what. Uh, yeah. you know, we know that from, the, for instance, the flat worlds, the flat worlders. Uh, you know, no matter what see, the evidence is... It's exactly. they believe what they believe. And you see that right now with COVID-19. There oh, are God. people who believe. I mean, you look at all of the strange things that people believe right now about this, this virus. That uh, They range from the, it's going to kill you. Um, it, can, it can leak tall buildings. It can penetrate you know, brick walls. To yeah. people who believe that they're immune to it. There was, a, there was that guy who believed it was all fantasy and make-believe in America. Um, caught it, died. Mm -hmm. Boy, did he get it wrong. I mean, nowadays, I don't know what it's like on, on your side of the Atlantic, but over here, it's just as crazy. You go out now on a Saturday, you've got, you've got every possible approach to the virus being demonstrated. You've got people who are sort of... They're not just wearing a mask. They've virtually got a you know a, full gear. a helmet, now. full <laughs> get, full NBC suit, full nuclear, biological, and chemical warfare suit. There you go. <laughs> and you've got others who you know wear, they've got the mask because they've got to, and they've got it round round the neck as a cravat, or mm. sort of hanging from one ear, or pulled down, or pulled up while they have a cigarette or a, a sandwich. Uh, you've got people who are walking in groups. You've got people who are shying away from each other as if they're vampires. Uh, you know, you've got a whole raft of... Now, they've all been given exactly the same set of instructions mm -hmm. as to what to do. And here you have 50 different interpretations of those same instructions being played out. And you wonder why we get such diversity in humanity when if you tell... If you give people a very simple set of instructions, whenever you go into a public space, you will wear a face mask. But it, it's really that simple. Mm -hmm. But then they wear it, you know, the only place I haven't seen somebody wear it yet is over, the, over their eyes. Yeah, I'm surprised they don't have it over their ass. And, and the vast majority of them, you know, they don't wear it. They sort of wear it. They kind of wear it. They don't bother wearing it. They're immune to it. They don't need it. They, 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 they claim all sorts of medical exemptions as to why they can't wear a mask because mm. they have asthma and they will die and they can't breathe and the mask is suffocating Dropsy. and they have panic attacks. 
it makes it makes the vagina work and you know they can't hear properly and all manner of other stuff so here you have a very simple set of instructions and i know america's uh, in the same situation because i've I've seen that you know on our news feeds that you know your state governors are, are are just as screwed by the response of the public to what are really quite simple sets of instructions do this don't do that you know, half the country are out with guns going, you can't tell us what to do. And the other half are going, you're all going to die. And you, we, we don't want you to take us with, it, take, take us with you. Mm. Anyway. Crazy, crazy. But that's what people are like. And so, when, yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, that's a, the complication of trying to then tangle that from the paranormal. People are paranormal on their own. That's for sure. So the... One of the other the other theories about uh, what we create, uh, for instance, if we go back to the, the Ouija board and why people believe that the Ouija board is evil, is that one of the the biggest thing is they say that you don't know who you're talking to. You think you're talking to a little girl, but it's really a demon or something like that, and. And I think sometimes that occurs when, for instance, we do the, if you go to a haunted place, say like, oh, one of these haunted paranormal extravagant, you know, like Eastern State or something, people create, I believe they create some of the ghosts that are there. They're, they're just creations of other people's energies. And, and, and maybe if there are spirits there, they become who people want them to be. You know, you're looking for, uh, you know, this cellmate number five. Sure, I'll be him. Where it could be just some little kid or whatever. Uh, you know, we d- we don't know enough about the paranormal to, you know, have it all black and white. There's, there's just so many variances. That's right. We don't. And for that reason, we can't answer any of the questions with any great certainty. No. You know, but yet there are people that do. Oh, there are lots of people who are absolutely <laughs> certain. It's very easy to be certain about something you don't know very much about. Because I think part of the problem when you're investigating the paranormal is to admit that you don't know. Um, but to also recognize that there are some things that we do know about uh, because we can replicate them and we can reproduce them and we can make them happen. Over there and are over things and we can measure. Yes. And there is. So. There are things that we can say with a high degree of confidence that it's not paranormal. Um, so we can tell you what, it, what a ghost isn't. We can't yet tell you what a ghost is. But I was looking at some of the books about Ouija boards. I've got me. One of my favorites, because it's one of the most infantile attempts at, um, is, what's it called? Ouija, aren't they always? Innocent fun or introduction to the occult. This was written by some religious and not. Yeah. Always a Jehovah's Witness as well. And it's all, you'll go to hell, you'll burn. Mm -hmm. I like my collection of YouTube books. I do too. Uh, Speaking of uh, religious nuts, have you heard from... uh, No, he's been very, very, very quiet. I think maybe... Maybe the virus got him? I don't think the virus got him because obviously God God would have sent him a, a hanky or a piece of paper or a right, rubber fish sure or yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, something. <laughs> <laughs> Anything. Um, I think maybe uh, more to do with the postal service. Yeah. But no, no, haven't heard, haven't heard anything from our from our um, preacher preacher man. Yeah, he's been quiet for a while. I expected to hear some interesting tales with this virus uh, going on, but no, he's nothing. Probably he's probably holed up somewhere, spending the millions of dollars that people sent him. <laughs> oh, sorry, um, seeding the prayers. So he's been frantically praying for the work. For he, and he, I, I, I'll wager, give him a few months, he'll be back saying that he saved the world from coronavirus. Um, uh, and and um, he's got a special message for us to make us immune from coronavirus. And we just need to uh, just suck on this, suck on this piece of cloth. And send it 20 pounds. And... Send your dollar check to me. <laughs> uh, and uh, it will seed your prayer. God will like you because you gave him $20. Yep. God needs 20 pounds. Everybody knows that, you know. Well, you know, Lear's God needs the money. You know, everything in the world costs. So you know how much, you, you know how much a Learjet costs? Yeah. Have you any idea of the cost of a Learjet? Mm. There you go. What's, what's that famous line? Uh, yeah, if uh, somebody asked you if you're a god, remember that line from Ghostbusters? If anybody asked you if you're say yes. Yeah, that was funny. That was a great. The move, first movie was absolutely the best. Uh, I'm looking forward. To, yeah. Go ahead. I'm looking forward oh, to it. Oh, well, yeah. Well, it's supposed to be out now, isn't it? Oh, yeah, but they held it up till next year, right? I know, but it was supposed to come out two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And we're talking about the new Ghostbuster one, of course. Ghostbusters three. As opposed to the Lady Ghostbusters. I was going to say, I thought there were three already, so... <laughs> no, uh, because the third movie, which is Ghostbusters, or Ghostbusters 2016 edition, is a different universe. So the other, the previous two movies, Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2, don't exist. Ah, makes sense. Which, which kind of makes a, makes a mockery of the trailer for the third film. Um, the one starring the, the four ladies, mm-hmm. um, because it it starts off with in the trailer, if you remember, thirty years ago, four scientists changing yep. the world, saving the world. But of course, they didn't. They couldn't because they didn't exist. Mm. They've never existed in that version of Ghostbusters universe. But at least this one is a direct linear. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm trying oh, to yeah. see how how they're going to put the original casting. That's the intriguing part for me because I mean this is a lot to do with the kids, uh, you know. So I'm we, interested we in how they. Which, what's that, yeah, Steve? We know, we know we know some bits about it, don't we? Well, very we, little, really. We we we've seen the tra- well, there's been two we've trailers. Seen the trailers, yeah, but we. We don't know, at least I don't know, how the original cast plays in this. This is the intriguing thing to me. Well, we because they're in the movie. Yeah, well, they are. All of them. Yeah. Yes. Moranis and, and even uh, uh, the uh, girls, Sigourney Weaver, yeah. Annie Potts, too, I believe, right? Yeah, I believe so. But yeah. um, we know that the children 
are the grandchildren of... Yeah, we know that. That's why I want to know how the originals fit in this thing. This is the well, intriguing thing for don't me. No, we know about the science teacher who knows about the first Ghostbusters in New York. Mm-hmm. So maybe he in some way joins the dots. Don't know, uh, but I'm, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to find out how it's happening. It's I'm really looking forward to this movie. I, I know there were a lot of people who had had big concerns about you know it being a generational thing and about the kids. And, but then if you look at um, another great movie from that same era that's become another cult classic along with Ghostbusters, is you, of course you've got the Goonies. Ah, oh, the Goonies. Now. It's the only one, thought, though, that I know of. But who would have thought? Well, it, it, I, I think maybe, um, I think maybe the, there's been some draw from the Goonies into the new Ghostbusters movie as well. I think there's going to be, you know, because I, you've got similarities between the two films as well. But we have to wait and see. It would have been uh, nice been out it was it was it was something to look forward to this year at the start of the year and then things got changed around a little bit like spirit quest and unfortunately i like spirit quest um it's the way it goes but anyways uh yeah so it it, it goes is coming out it's intriguing it should be good so look for it next year yeah and you know in a way this pandemic isn't necessarily an all bad thing i mean there are positives in it too there is. Yeah. I mean, Brandeis, Brandeis airlines have gone bankrupt. Well, that's a positive. What's that? That's positive. Well, that positive. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, there are lots of people. We've learned new stuff. We've been adaptable because, um, you know, we've learned to work from home. We've learned how to use video conferencing and Zoom. And we've learned, did you have clap for carers in the USA or was that a European thing no they, they had it out there yeah yeah um, it brought people together I mean this year was uh, yeah we had riots to do that so that's not a problem yeah we had them too <laughs> um, and we were I think we were ahead of you with the pulling of throwing of statues into rivers yeah, and stuff. yeah. yeah we have that to bring people together too yeah yeah hate um, hate, hate brings people together uh, yeah. Yep. But, but, I mean, right in the middle of that, we had VE Day, the 75th anniversary of VE Day, and That's there were some true. huge, there were some huge commemorations planned uh, involving, I, I think, even your president was going to be allowed out to attend. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of that, of course, got cancelled and curtailed and just turned into, a, well, a group of people making their own fun in their backyards. Mm-hmm. And people said afterwards it was much more memorable and much more like the original VE Day celebration, which was an impromptu thing of the people without the state and you know, the the organization. People just got together and partied. Right. And, and you know, we've learned new stuff. People have spent time with families where ordinarily they wouldn't have done. Um, people have fathers have spent a lot longer with their kids, um, you know, whereas dad would go out in the morning and come back late at night and work at weekends and hardly see the children. Now dad's around and families have, you know, uh, benefited from that. 
I had I had a laugh. I was watching uh, Sequest, which is a a uh, old series that was. Uh, oh, I think... Sequest DSV, is it? Yeah, that's the one. And one of the the episodes was they wouldn't get pulled into the future, and in the future they had a virus that forced everybody to stay inside, and then everybody started doing things video lies and then the population went down and then there was like nobody connected and and uh, eventually all the the whole world was run by computers and uh, all, there was only a couple of kids left and they played video games all day long so that, i was just like that's dude, that's kind of like what's happening now everybody's forced inside everybody's gotta do uh facetime or, or whatever they do zoom or whatever the thing business and there's no more personal contact anymore so it's yeah kind of well, one thing that, yeah one of the things that we've struggled with was get because obviously the kids have to be homeschooled mm-hmm. um and it is actually. Are they ever going to open the schools up? By the way, I'm sorry, Steve. Our schools open up in September. Oh, they are opening. Okay. They are reopening in September. Okay. Uh, go ahead. But we've had to homeschool school you know, the children, and that's right. been uh, trying to get them. You know, it's difficult enough to make them sit down and do schoolwork anyway. But once mm-hmm. you start putting them on devices, um, consoles and laptops and mobile phones. Incredibly addictive devices, and then it's been very, very difficult to try and actually get them out mm-hmm. into the sunlight and into the fresh air, and yep. you know, into the outdoors because they become surprisingly. It's surprising how quickly a screen can become addictive. And I'm not just talking for children; I'm talking for adults too. Oh sure, you know, one of the look how many people the play the solitaire games to, just to hook yeah. them in. I know Janice hooked I mean, on it. She plays solitaire all the time. Well, you you, you look at people in restaurants. Um, or, or sitting next to each other on the park bench, and they don't have a conversation anymore. They don't. The first thing they do when they sit down is pull the mobile phone out and check the messages and check exactly. their Facebook. And yeah. it, I really hate that. I do it. I, I'm, I'm guilty of it, but I, I'm consciously, you know, the last few years, I, I put social media to one side, uh, and I don't, you know, um, I don't sit on the phone endlessly all day. But uh, that's made me. That's made me notice how often other people do. I, I remember when Dylan and I were sharing the beach house uh, during Spirit Quest last year and the year before. Was how long he spent in front of a screen. Um, you know, I was like, "Well, oh, should we ever, should we talk about something?" Um, yeah, I know. Anything? Yeah, no, that's terrible. One of the coolest stories that I heard it was it was uh, it was actually some actor I think it was I can't remember who it was, but whenever the group goes out to eat like it'd be a group of people maybe as many as ten or whatever they would go out to a restaurant to eat, and uh, whoever touched their phone at dinner time paid for the meal, so for everyone. <laughs> so that's how they they get people not to do their their phones. They would go out there if you answer that phone, if you text, if you do anything, you're paying for the meals. So I thought that was the coolest thing. Well, how how do we how do we cope in the days of landlines when you couldn't take a phone with you? Hey, I still have a landline. <laughs> but how did we manage? We went out and nobody you nobody could reach us. That's true. I, I had a laugh. I, my brother-in-law had one of the first uh, uh, 
mobile phones. The thing was like a World War II walkie-talkie. The thing was huge. Yep. Do you remember those? Oh, I do, because I had a friend who worked for uh, British Telecom, mm-hmm. and they gave him one of these um, devices. It was like a suitcase with a handset on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> like a freaking, yeah. The one he had his car, honest to God, it was like one of those old-fashioned walkie-talkies they used to have in combat. You know, do you ever remember the combat, Vic Morrow, the black and white series? I know the ones you mean. And do you know what? When when I saw John with his mobile thing, and I bet you were the same with your brother, we were jealous. We wanted one because that no. was so cool. Yeah, cool. Oh, I but, did. No, not me. Oh no! I mean, that was like, God, I can sit in the I can sit in the car and make phone calls. I'll I mean, I remember that. as a kid. I remember as a kid, my dad getting excited because the the car had a radio in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did get it one could, of those. Could listen to uh, music in the in the car. Yeah, I did get one of those those uh, wristband uh, radios. Uh, I thought that yeah. was the coolest thing. Or uh, I remember going out and buying one of those uh, televisions that had a one and a half inch screen. Yeah, I still have those. <laughs> and I was like, why? I, yeah, I mean, nowadays, nowadays, my 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 camera viewfinder is bigger. Um, <laughs> but I thought I thought this fuzzy black and white thing was just the coolest. And then the, then they did a color one that was like two inches. It was like, mm. oh, I can see something. It's it's incredible. I don't know what it is, but. And you would kid yourself how good it was. Yeah. Well, in, in reality, it was because you had nothing to compare it with. It was, you know. Well, it was. I mean, to, to watch, you know, to watch television live on a, a device basically the same size as your mobile phone, only a lot fatter, and weighing about ten pounds. Yeah. But yeah. you could carry it. It only used nine batteries. <laughs> <laughs> And there was a lead that you could plug it in and drain the battery in your car in half an yeah, hour. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> anyway, we got to wrap good, it up. Good that old, was ra- the, uh, good that old was Radio the Shack. Yep, I miss Radio Shack. I got so many cool I things from them. Anyways, uh, we to wrap it up. So we want to. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, joining me these past two hours. It's it's way early in the morning yeah, there in, in Wales. Sleep's overrated. Yeah, yeah. The sun will be coming up soon, and uh, the dead will be rising. I mean, going back to sleep, and so there you go. Anyway, it'll be dawn in about an hour and a half. There you go. So you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation right here on Tojanet and Pararex Radio, brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, and the Glad Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street in North Andover, Massachusetts. And if you're interested in taking an online workshop, I am doing one with Leslie Modding on the 18th on photos crying so that's you ever heard of photos crying steve yeah yeah so that's it should be a lot of fun so uh, <laughs> it's a short answer you said no yeah yes i've heard of photos crying yeah that's all that's all it's it's uh it's one of my fun workshops that we look at different Methods and modalities, and uh, you make up your own mind, but uh, it's definitely fun. So, anyways, it tunes. We had to go. Steve, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Yep. Good night, everybody. Stay safe, and see you next week. Make a blast.
From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.